Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist, or on Twitter as at Practical Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. And donate to us via Patreon, available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hi, Jim. Wow, David. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, anytime. Uh, it's, always, it's always, you know, the nicest way to say hello. It's, a, it's the way we've always said it in our family. Um, True. Fuck, man. Uh, oh. I had a rehearsal today. Yep. I drove in the city and then I stood in front of the dude's house for like 15 minutes because, you know, he's in a, you know, an apartment building and I'm like, uh-huh. I don't know which buzzer's his. And I tried to get oh, him on the geez. phone and he wasn't answering his phone. Don't and, you love that? You know, it's just, there's a whole thing. And I was like, I was so mad. I was like, you know what? I give him five minutes. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't show, I'm leaving. Cause yeah. I'm, you know, standing out in the neighborhood, I don't know. With right, a guitar on my back, and you know, a freaking amp in my hand. Yep. Uh, my, and my, you're in the Chicago area, so it's not exactly warm. No, well, so today it was 40. It was like 42. We dress appropriate, you know. I got my I got my winter coat on, and um, I'm, I was kind of laughing because uh, I did a rant. It didn't get posted, so I probably won't post this one. Uh, I did a rant right. for the uh, for the Patreon thing. But it was about the first snow because we had our first snow the other day. And I mean, like, by snow, it, like, covered everything. Um, it melted off the streets right away. But it was enough that people were like, holy fuck, what do I do? You know? Oh, Jesus. So, yeah. Uh, yep. It was it was a fun commute, let me tell you. Um, and I, I risked life and limb for that, and I still didn't post it. Because uh, I was driving down the road with the phone in one hand and one hand of the wheel, you know. Uh, yeah, it's a whole thing. So, uh, what's new? That. What's new with you, Jim? Not much. Nothing, not really. Nothing. 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 I went to rehearsal last week, and then i I spent four and a half, five hours rehearsing on Saturday. Um, uh, I sat with a keyboard player, and we. Played over and over and over and over. And I've had a very, very lazy day today. I'm drinking, uh, I'm drinking, uh, wine. Yeah, I'm a brandy sniffer. <laughs> yeah. Very big. Well, guy. it's, it's not a brandy sniffer. It's a, but. yeah. No. 
No, it's but it's a uh, yeah, it's a low ball. But um, <laughs> you drinking uh, what are you drinking? Boone's Farm? You drinking uh, Mad Boone's Dog Twenty Twenty? <laughs> no, no, Fonseca. I, I don't drink uh, cheap shit. If, it, if it's under ten dollars a bottle, I don't have a tendency to even try. Are you hearing this snob? Are you? Are, is our listeners hearing this snob right now? I Sound was, off I in the group. I had I had a friend say, "Oh my god," because like I won't buy beer. That's under ten dollars a temp, a twelve pack. Jim, high roller here. I just won't. I I don't drink enough. I don't drink at all. So to, yeah, well, I don't, don't buy beer. I, period. <laughs> yeah, I don't drink enough for me to say. <laughs> you should have just left it alone. I don't drink enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't drink enough. No, I don't drink enough for me to go. You know what? I. I'm going to go ahead and get the cheap shit today. I'm going to get $9 a 12 pack. So let me, let me guess. This doesn't come in a box, right? No, no, it's, it comes in a bottle, comes with a bottle with a real cork, not a, not a piece of plastic or a box with a plastic. um, What do you call it on it? Did you sniff the cork? (laughs) I don't have to. Was it a tone cork? (laughs) It's a tone cork. It's 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 an American wood, <laughs> American hard I mean, cedar. It's, it's a port. Okay, so it's a port wine. So, um, what well, some people call dessert wine. So I guess I had my dessert for dinner. Yeah, so that's why I said it's Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. No, no, that is not a dessert wine. I'll I'll tell you a true Mad Dog Twenty Twenty story. Okay, musician friends, this is has this ever happened to you? Jim's been so drinking. I warned my cousin, you. Yeah, my cousin and I, I was I was 18, so I was old enough to buy beer back then and wine, obviously. Um, and the drinking age in New York was 18. This was 1982. So my cousin and I decided we're going to have some drinks and then record. That's always a great idea. I'm just letting everybody yeah, know. Yeah, especially when you can't remember what you recorded until you listen back. That the drunker you are, the better you sound in the moment. <laughs> so, um, which is why Ace Fraley thought he sounded so good for so many um, things. Oh, we're anyway, going to talk about him tonight, too. Yeah, we can talk about Ace. Because I, I do want to discuss the... the uh, what is it, the end of tour tours or whatever they got going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. Well, well so, I, I saw his interview on, or I listened to his interview yeah. on uh, No Guitar Safe. Well, yep. we're going to talk about that. And I listened to his interview on uh, what's Eddie Trunk. Yeah. So it was probably similar stuff because he seems to seems to be repetitive, almost like he's trying not to be scripted, but he's scripted anyway. Um. So uh, my cousin and I we got we got completely obliterated. I mean. So we bought Boone's Farm, and I decided I was going to splurge. He bought Boone's Farm, and I bought Jack Daniels. So those are two things you definitely, you should if not you want to try those. drinking well, I mean, some you can things mix together, we, we had the two of those, and my stomach didn't think it was a very good idea. I can imagine. Yeah. So um, we went down, and after the puking was done, or this was maybe before the puking, I'm not really sure about the timeline because <laughs> I kind of blanked out somewhere in there. <laughs> we, got, we went down into his uh, basement. We set up a tape deck and did some DI stuff and started running uh, running tape. And uh, this was, what is it, quarter-inch uh, uh, reel-to-reel? Yeah. 
And uh, we thought we recorded the next best thing. We thought we had our album in the can. We were so good. <laughs> so good. Couldn't wait to show my girlfriend, who wound up being my wife. Does, Still my wife. Does she have fond memories of uh, <laughs> this recording? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> so I, the next day, I'm all excited. Of course, I'm a little bit hungover. I'm all excited. I'm like, I'm going to um, show my girlfriend this great recording. And in my memory, it sounded awesome. <laughs> I, hit, I hit play. And you're like, what the hell happened? <laughs> what the? <laughs> I was, it was awful. Awful. So, so let's talk about Ace Frehley. <laughs> all right. Yeah, let's talk about Ace Frehley for a minute. So I, I, all right. I'm not a big Kiss fan. Let's start off by saying that. I don't want to, I don't want to insult anybody. I know we get a lot of Kiss fans in the group. A lot of Kiss I'm fans of that exist. You're one of them. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to phrase this a question. So Ace Freely, from from what I know, is um, obviously the guitar player for Kiss early days, right? So yes. he was a the guy they hired allegedly to come in and play these songs. Um, I my understanding is a lot of the solos were like pre worked out before he got there. Um, they were some of the songs were written before he got there. If you listen to Gene's um, accounts and. Uh, Ace's accounts and uh, Paul's accounts, and you kind of know that the middle is somewhere in between all those. Um, the a lot of the songs were written that we know today as some of Kiss's best hits, which was pretty much the Alive hits. Yeah, right, right. Like Kiss Alive. Um, those were written by by um, Ace, and, or I mean Paul and and Gene, and a couple of folks. Um, uh, when they were uh, in a band called Wicked Lester. Okay. And uh, they, Wicked Lester had an album that didn't go anywhere. So, and those songs were, um, were not done. It was a guy named, his last name was Des, or his first name was Desmond, Desmond something or other, um, who was also one of the writers. Um, so you'll he, see his name on a lot of the stuff. I'm not a big enough fan to have all that memorized, but um uh, so now if you're talking about like the Detroit rock city solo, that was one that Bob Ezrin wrote okay. of, uh, Pink Floyd, the wall fame. Um, he's a producer. He wrote that song and he, yeah, go ahead. Well, ultimately what I'm getting at is that, um, l- let me put it to you this way. And I, and I don't want to disrespect anyone. But his solos are not known for being like extravagant and no. having all kinds of flair. They fit the song. Um, yep. They provide a little bit of extra energy and excitement, but they're yep. not like genre reinventing or anything like that. No. Um, and so I, I, this is the first time I'd ever even heard him speak. Right. And, and right. watch this interview. Sounds like a cartoon character. <laughs> he sounds like a cartoon character. He sounds like, he, okay. So we all know that there are various, guitar celebrities who have abused and used a lot of alcohol and drugs over the years. Oh yeah. Um, Joe Walsh is the one that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, you listen to him talk and yeah, he had the stroke and he had the stroke and that's a big part of that. Um, Yeah. Big part of his slur. But so to kind of 
to back up as like I listened to to um this interview and I was just like how did this guy ever have like a career with with his personality the way it is well, I mean yeah so um Gene and the one thing Gene and Paul do agree on was that the ace was very different by the way his his real first name is Paul um, yeah, I, I no, yeah. I, I've heard that before that they, they had to change his name for the band because yeah, because they didn't right. want two Pauls on stage. So um, uh, Gene was uh, actually Jaime or Height Height. Yeah, Jaime. Jaime, I, which is my that's it's um James. That's yeah, Jamie. Jamie. Kind of same yep. thing. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> that's the only reason I know that was that. That's also my name. Um, so uh, um, anyway, they were both saying that he was a very different person when he joined Kiss. That he was he was funny, he was outgoing and outlandish. The only thing that they that they thought he was a bit too much of was he was a bit of a diva. That he would he would show up and he refused to carry anything. Very lazy in physically lazy in that regard. Um, and uh, even when you hear his interviews and so on and stuff, he no, talks he admits stuff, it. He admits it. Yeah, yeah. And he admitted it in the, the No Guitar Safe interview. But what got me, I there was a couple things that, like, for me when I listened to the interview where he didn't win the Mr. Personality Award, where oh. it was like he was talking about roadieing for some other band because he just, like, walked up. And I forget who it was, but. Jimmy Hendrix. Was, well, no, it was one of them. He was playing. Oh, yeah, you're right, because it was Mitch Mitchell he was talking about. Yep. And um, he's very quick to play. I was like, well, I could play all these tunes. You know, and I'm like, and eh, you know, I, I some of that I you believe, know, some of that I don't. Well, yeah. So here's, yeah. So if you listen to those early Kiss records, you can take. Okay. Why is? Let me ask this question, but it does pertain directly to this. Why do so many people love Kurt Cobain? As far as rock, yeah, um, I, I guitar couldn't tell. Players? I couldn't tell you because I don't like because, him. Because his playing, I can't stand it either. But his playing is so accessible, is what I was told. Yeah, I, no, and I get, I, I get that. I, and like, the thing about the thing about Ace's playing is because it was so sloppy, and because it was so, it was it was pretty much everything he did. If you listen to it, there's only like twelve licks. Yeah, yeah. That he uses over and over. Yeah, right. You could I could teach somebody everything Ace Frehley plays in twelve sessions. Well, so he's got so he's got this new album coming out. That's what he's going around plugging right now. Yeah, it just came out. I think. Have you heard it this this week? No, no. I it, this is, and I take it this is not his first record. He fired his yeah. He fired his uh, fired his band. Got a whole new band. Well, I know. Well, I know he's like so for for years he played just like acoustic Kiss shows at at you know conventions and shit. Yep. Because he they they weren't really didn't want anything to do with him because he had a huge drug problem. Right. And, um, it was kind of a troublemaker in that regard. So he cleans himself up. Yeah. He does a couple of records, right? Um, yeah. Here's my problem. So they played some of the music on yep. No Guitar is Safe. And I'm like, who's buying this? Because yeah. he can't sing. No, terrible. Oh, it's it's horrendous. And you've got people, you've got the sycophants who are telling me can. Oh, that's why I was going to get at. Because they mentioned on the show, it's like, oh, well, you know, people are really happy with my vocals on that song. It's like, oh. Ooh! I want to find them. Ooh. Yeah, I want to find those three. I want to shake your hand. <laughs> who think you're a good singer? Because yeah. this is uh, completely awful. 
No, I mean, I, I when they said, oh, he's got a record coming out, I totally expect like, oh, he's going to do an instrumental record. Right. Because I'm listening to him in the interview and I'm going, this guy does not have a, have a voice for like singing. And like not only that, but like he slurs his words and yep. it's not like I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Like I know he's got a disability, but, right. you know, well, it's like some people can do certain yeah. things and some people can't. Um, right. For those who can't, you hire somebody else to do it for you. Doesn't well, mean you so, can't write songs. Right, right. It, so, yeah, he should have had other people singing a lot of a lot of that stuff. You know, in the early days of Kiss, he sang a lot of that high stuff and he could hit those notes. Yeah, but now um, he's just abused his body and trashed himself he, to the point. Well, where... he abused his body, he abused his mind. Um, this is a good segue um, into what I was ta- uh, what I was getting at. The, the so. Uh, Ace Frehley, um, I, I recently read uh, Face the Music by Paul Stanley, and he was talking about Ace and how um, uh, who's the guy playing for him now? Tommy Thayer. Uh, Tommy Thayer worked with Ace to te- reteach him his parts. Yeah. When they when they got back together, this was several. Yeah, several, yeah I, and I think he mentioned that in the interview too, which yeah. I, I think it's okay. I think it's yeah. also kind of weird. It's like you can't kind of pick apart your own playing, especially when his playing was that simple. Right. You know? Well, okay. So they were a lot of it. Um, this is drumming. So this is the practical drummer, I guess. Um, uh, Peter Chris was awful and yeah. he really was never a great player. Right. When you think about it, kiss was your basic four on the floor. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to rock and roll all night party every day was their big. Thing, right? Yeah. It was extremely simple music, but it was effective. Right. But it would right. The songwriting was good. Love Gun and yeah. uh, Firehouse and all that stuff, you know. They were they were really good songs. Um so when you take it and um and you look at uh when they got back together, um I, I think what what really ticks me off about Ace Frehley, and if I met him, you know, I would still I, I would love to get his autograph, I would still love to I would love to take a lesson from the guy. Because let's face it, he's had he's done things we've never done, right? All of us, mm-hmm. a lot of us have never done. Um, but that said, um, in the interviews I saw, so I saw him uh, on a couple of interviews. One of them was uh, Eddie Trunk's um, radio station, because he also does a serious thing, um, Eddie Trunk. Yeah. <clears throat> was talking about Ace's stuff, because you got to remember, Eddie's a little biased. Eddie was um, Ace's A&R guy. He's the one that got him a record contact contract solo. Um, the the problem I run into with with Ace is <clears throat> whenever I see him in an interview, he's like, "I'm the star man," and or I mean, not star man. I'm, I'm the I'm the star child, and uh, nobody can replace me. And I still own this, and I still this, and I'm still that. And of course, the other guys are saying something completely different. And of course, lawyers figure that out. But every time he talks to about Tommy Thayer. He has some good stuff, and then he, he's like, but he's not the star child. I am. People come there to see me. No, and that was that was Paul's thing. No, they come there to see that mute to see the band, hear that music, and anybody could be wearing that. That yeah, makeup. you know, and, and, and that, that is the beauty of the makeup. So since I'm a, you know, my my involvement on kisses with kisses on an extremely rudimentary level, um. When I when I think of the band, like I'm not thinking about the guys behind the band. You know what I mean? Like maybe Gene Simmons, 
I don't even see Paul Stanley that way. I mean, um, and so it's like, as long as it was Gene Simmons on the stage for me, I don't care who's wearing the makeup. As long as they can pull it off, like I would feel like I saw a Kiss show. You know what I mean? It wouldn't. Well, there's I mean, a lot of there's a lot of um, a bones of contention right now because in a recent, uh, I think it was the Late Show, um, Kiss was on, and uh, they were obviously miming. There is a question as to whether or not Paul is going to be able to sing, and they're going to have to use backing track. Uh, so is there, is there something going on with Paul that uh, he's unable? Well, his voice, I mean, if you think about it, let's say he's set. Is, is it just that he's older? Old is that what it is? So he's 61, 62 okay. All right. now. So he'd be, um, he'd be pushing it. Okay. I, I'm, now, I'm honestly now that said, you know, you know what's funny? So uh, listening to Face, um, Face the Music or watching, reading Face the Music. Um, Paul um, mentioned how everybody is convinced that Gene has always been the money man. He's always been the guy that did all this stuff. When in reality, it was it was Paul, and I was always been Paul that was the guy that figured out how to because they were broke. They were getting fifty, uh, sixty bucks a week. See, I mean, like, and and I think there's so much ego in that band. I don't care who's saying what at this point, like there, there's enough story going around about the both of them being legendary with money that it's hard for me to believe that that's a 100% truth. It's like, Oh, I was always the money man. Oh yeah. Oh no. I know. I know. But if you listen to both of them, if you listen to the books and the, and the stuff with both of them, they kind of do set, tell the same story. Well, I could definitely see, I could definitely see, Gene Simmons like partnering up with Paul and being like, you know, this is my racehorse that's going to make all the money and being like, I know that you're capable of doing this. You're incapable or I'm incapable hands. I'm going to let you take care of it. I can definitely see that. He's smart enough to do that. Well, Gene did a lot more outside the band stuff. And then like all that, you know, you see this ton of merchandising that um, Gene has done, you know, the, whether it's um, from, now, of course, early on the lunchboxes and stuff, that was their manager. And that was agreed on. They said, yeah, that's a great idea. Make more money. We're outside. Um, but these are guys, this is what's weird. So I'm listening to both their interviews were relatively the same in this respect. What they were getting from the band, from the music. Yeah. Wasn't even a hundred bucks a week. No, I, I can believe that. Especially at that time, like they were, that's why the merchandising was such a huge thing for that band was once they got yeah. into merchandising, like they couldn't stop the machine because they do, they really weren't making a whole lot of the music side of it. Because they, oh. the reason I say that is it, like, it makes sense because we know they've had songwriting partners on a lot of material yep. and um, their stage shows were massive, you know, they, like that, that in and of itself, there goes your budget, but they knew they had to do that to support the merchandising. So for them, it and was they, like, we could do this. Yeah. And they had their gear stolen a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, once they came in, uh, when it was still wicked Lester, they walked in, everything was gone. Yeah. And then another time, um, some people that had access to their warehouse, you know, where the studio stuff was, they were just selling it right out the back door, yeah. selling props from the, from the stage shows, selling all kinds of stuff. So it's, um, it's some interesting stuff. If you get to read the book or listen to the audio book, face the music, um, or if you listen to, I can't remember what Gene's book was called. Um, it's probably going to give me too much 
it, it'll make me too close to being a Kiss fan. <laughs> so I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I might read the summary. <laughs> I think what you learn is some of the stuff that happens. Like they talk about, you know, the business partners and things like that. And, sure, and sure. Um, like I said, you, as long as you read all of them and then you kind of go. Yeah, to, yeah. You build know, your own opinion based on the four sides of the story, you know. Yeah. The only one I can't ever get behind is Peter Chris. I mean, that guy was a total. Yeah. Man. I mean, at least with at least with Ace, like there are still moments of guitar hero dumb there. Um, I don't feel like he's talentless or anything. I'm just saying like. For him to have a solo record just seems kind of silly to me at this point. Right. Well, when you think about it, Bob Ezrin, you know, it's not that it's a complicated solo, but Bob Ezrin was like, here's what the here's what the solo in, in Detroit Rock City. Yeah. Detroit Rock City should sound like. I say that three times. Detroit, ro- Detroit, Detroit Rock Detroit Rock City. Detroit Rock City should sound like. Um, and it was, you know, <laughs> and he sang both parts. You know, he sang the one part and he sure, sang the sure. other part. And then um, you know, Ace had to, from the vocal, kind of turn that into a guitar part. So it was, you got to give him a little bit of credit. That is still his guitar solo. That That's a memorable solo. The solo on Kiss Alive when he did um, uh, I Want to Rock and Roll All Night. Now, you got to remember the, the recorded version didn't have a solo on. Okay, some point. I now, mean- of course, it's a, it's a direct lift from, um, what's the Chuck Berry song? Um, yeah, and he mentions uh, that too in an interview too. He talked yeah. about it being just like a complete ripoff of Johnny B. Good. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just like I. I feel like he's one of those guys that people really gravitate towards uh, as a guitar player. I mean, we we know heroes that are that were really into him, like Dime. Um, and it's right. It's kind of it just seems kind of odd to me that like those guys looked up to him. I mean, I get it from the showmanship angle. Right. There was there was that side of it, too. And I think that's what they went to. I mean, when you look at Angus Young, right? Sure. Angus Young was a showman. Right. I mean, not he looks to like say he's having he, a heart attack every night, folks. Right. Not to say that he isn't At least he's um, consistent. a talented guitar player, but he's very consistent. It's just that when you saw him, you saw a guy that could lay on his back and spin around yeah. using his legs and play that guitar. And the like funny was, part is he wasn't doing in this, any of this shit in the studio either. He was like, no, he was just playing. He was a, sitting on a he was stool. playing nothing pretty much most of the time. He was just sitting yeah. on a stool watching his brother do it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you so. think about it, he was, he was an incredible, he's an incredible lead guitarist, but it's, it's all about that show. You know, <clears throat> um, I just, um, you know, I, I was with the band this weekend, like I said, and I was reminding our keyboard player, I said, you know, everybody has to learn a dynamic. And those guys knew dynamics. If you really think about it, Ace Fraley still knows dynamics. Yeah. When he, um, now I don't know about this band. Well, they have when, to. They were working with some of the top songwriters in the industry at that point, even though exactly. they were pretty much broke. They had, yep. they, they had the wherewithal to go work with these you're going to learn dynamics when you do that. Cause they're going to tell you, you can't yeah. do this part loud. Like if you do it, you're going to wreck it. You know? Yeah. When you look at, when you look at the first three albums, they didn't sell more than, they didn't even sell 300,000 copies. Yeah. First three albums. I bet they that's, have now. That's uh kiss, kiss, um, uh, love gun and, um, dress to kill. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure now, but you think about it, those guys are, um, so, 
Now, now, did you hear him mention whether or not he thinks that he will be invited to come out on the tour? No, I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to that. He probably probably mentioned it. I just wasn't paying attention. Yeah, so he, in the other interviews I saw with him recently, he was talking about how the tour won't be right if they don't ask him to come out. Yeah, I think he said that. I think he said that, but he hasn't been, but he hasn't heard anything yet. But he is, he is right about one thing. He is finally the guitar player. They've always wanted him to be because, you know, um, one of the things that Paul mentions is between it's hard to imagine that somebody could forget how to play. Yeah. Well, not only that, but he's now straightened himself out. So you don't have to worry about him, you know, not showing up or being too strung out to be able to do anything. Oh, yeah. He just wouldn't show up. They were putting, um, you know, their eggs into a basket that. One of the one of the stipulations of the of the um, the tour they did when they brought Peter and Ace back was nobody was supposed to get drunk or high. Right. And guess what? Ace did. Yeah, I'm sure. Ace was getting high. And so, oh yeah, there's there's no question about Ace talks about that. He hasn't been he hasn't been sober long enough not to have been high. But because of that, it was like, hey, Ace. We're in Los Angeles. You're in New York, and we have to play in so many hours. When are you going to get here? Yeah, that type that type of being high, yeah. that type of no responsibility or accountability for the person. So what what I mean by when he said, "I'm finally the the guitar player they want," is that oh, I'll finally show up. I finally won't be high, and I'll finally actually know how to play. Because before that tour, like I said. Um, Tommy Thayer had to teach him how to play again. Well, yeah. teach him how to play his parts. I mean, can you imagine not knowing your own parts, even as simple as they were? I imagine there was some level of relearning how to play guitar going on at that point. Oh yeah, just having the dealt with de- having dealt with people I know who who have had drug problems. And well, like, yeah, I saw outtakes of Aerosmith when they were like that when they got back together. Yeah, um, uh, I saw uh, what's his name? Who's the lead singer for Aerosmith? Uh, not Perry. Perry's the guitar player. Um, Tyler. Tyler. Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler um, yelling at Joe Perry saying, I wish you knew the chords song. Like, whoa, dude. Yeah, I wish Steven yeah. Tyler knew the fucking chords of the song, well, too. <laughs> I wish Steven Tyler could sing, but yeah, let's... He, he thinks he can. That's, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a really funny observation, too, is like, I love when bands fight and they like kind of break down and you hear about things like with them saying that to each other. And it's like... Yep. You're the vocalist. You probably don't know what the fucking chords are either. You just know the melody and you're like, I hope the chords are there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then again, you got to remember Steve Tyler, he, he wrote Dream On. I know. I didn't really think it's that great a song. They overplay it. It's not that it's not a great song. It gets overplayed. It does get overplayed, Every but it is fucking a- three seconds. And, and honestly, like that fucking little lead line thing, that little, uh, uh, I guess it's Glissando. It's yeah, terrible. What is that, it's terrible. That <laughs> intro? Yeah, that thing. Oh, it's awful. Like I'd rather listen to that to uh, that one heart intro. Uh, was, uh, crazy, crazy on you? Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, I mean, it just and and that one's overplayed too. So, yep. Uh, really, you don't you don't like the one for Dream On? No, I'm not a big fan of that song at all. Really, I it used love to be that. when I was younger. But when I started listening to classic rock stations, like that song was on every 10 minutes and it still gets played like that. And a lot of the other songs that used to be played like that, that were radio staples, they've moved on, 
but that one still gets played every single fucking time. Well, it, you know, similar similar lick is the intro to I'm on, almost lifted completely is um uh Bon Jovi's um uh I'm a cowboy wanted dead or alive. Yeah. I think they're both in D minor, aren't they? One might be D minor and the other one's in F sharp minor. I can't remember. I'm trying to the believe it or not, the one that uh that you're saying is overplayed is the one I can't remember. I can play the Bon Jovi one off the top of my head. But. That's so funny. Um, I don't know. So you had uh, you had a topic tonight, and I, and I thought it was an interesting one. I, I wasn't sure exactly where you were going with it. Well, before we get to that topic, let's thank um, our new Patreon, uh, Dan Kish. Yep. Thank you for your uh, contribution to the show. Yep. Um, our top are, Patreon Now that we have supporter. four Patreon supporters. We have four Patreon supporters. First thing I want to say to everybody, people, I didn't think we'd ever get any. So I'm... I'm appreciative of one. So the fact that we have four is just incredible. I don't know what Dave's doing with the money, but I do so, see Nothing. him snorting some white stuff over there. Yeah, it's called a Kleenex. <laughs> um, but no, now we have some money so that uh, we get to um, uh, Sweetwater. Maybe we'll be able to take everybody out for dinner or something. We're going to do um, that anyway. So uh, it'll, it'll be, pay for the Zoom account. Yeah. Because uh, I'm, I'm going to announce this for, for uh, Patreon supporters. We're going to start trying to do live broadcasts using Zoom. Yep. And um, basically, if you are one of our Patreon supporters, we'll post the link to the to the meeting. And then you guys can dial in. And then what we'll do is everybody will be muted during the show. And then we'll do like a quick question and answer at the end. Sound yeah, cool? give a little bit, a little bit of um, input output type thing. Yeah, sound cool. Everybody, I'm, I'm sure everybody Hopefully will, we can will get have Jason an opinion. in there because Jason... Jason, I know it works weird hours. Well, we'll, we'll structure because we do yeah. right now, at least with the way we're doing it. We do two episodes a week. There's probably a pretty good chance. Um, and what episode number are we on? Does anybody know? Um, I can tell you, actually, if you just give me just a second. We are on episode 90. This wow. is episode so, 90. 10 more so to go. 10 more, five more weeks, folks. So by the end of this year. We're going to be down to one episode a week. Yep. But we are we are doing after that we're doing video content. Yeah, we're going to so start I just doing want everybody video to content. Know that, that is the reason we're going to one episode a week. We're going to move on and do some video content. I actually bought um, backdrops so that I'll have like 175. The first video I'm going to do is one of those ridiculous videos where somebody's like bragging about all his instruments, and then I'm going to whoops. <laughs> yeah. But. Hopefully you guys will appreciate the you're comedy. You're gonna knock down. It. You're gonna knock down the green screen on accident. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, oh like shit! One, one <laughs> shitty guitar with no with no strings on it. Ah yeah. oh, man, you caught me. No, uh, so we have no. We have some creative uh, video content ideas that we're gonna put up in our YouTube channel. Yeah, um, Jim and I've been discussing them for a while. But the other yep. thing is, like, we've been talking about putting up video episodes of the show. Um, yep. We haven't been real consistent with it. I do have two that I want to put up. I just haven't got around to doing it yet. Um, we want to get more consistent with that. Yeah, Maybe going to actual video broadcast for each episode. I don't know that that's necessarily the way that the show should be presented, but I think some episodes warrant it. Um, we do have a feature, because we use Podbean to host the, the show, where it automatically posts the the episode that that is uh, published right to YouTube. So if you guys have seen any of that... Right. It's great. Um, if you haven't, it's a good way to turn people onto the show. You can send them the link via YouTube. Um, the other thing is, um, 
I don't post this every time we post an episode, but I'm going to start doing it. I want to make sure that everybody knows we want this episode shared with people who will find the content relevant. So if you listen to it and then you see it on our Facebook page. So we actually have two Facebook pages. We have a page and we have a group. So when I publish the episode, I publish the episode to Podbean. I take the link for that and I post it in the page and then I share the page in the group. If you, if you are a member of the group and you have not liked the page, you can like the page and share that link. So that's, that's the the nice thing. Right. And Um, people don't have to join the group and you can, you can listen to our stuff. I've I've still had people ask me, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube music because mm -hmm. it's on YouTube. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on iTunes. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on Facebook. Basically, if you have the internet, you can find us. Right. Um, And so you can listen to us. Anytime, anywhere, on any device, there's nothing that that. And if you find something that we're not on that you think we should be on, let us know. know. Let us know. Um, I I work really hard to try and promote the show this way. Um, I join Facebook groups just to to like knowledge bomb our show in there. Um, that doesn't always go well. Uh, <laughs> but aside from that, the the point is um. We're trying to get the show to reach a wider audience. And so anything you can do to help further that is great. Uh, I got a slew of people that were invited to the group by a fellow member the other day. And uh, I want to thank them. Um, they know who they are. And uh, yeah, so moving on, we got another topic we want to discuss. So take it away, Jim. Sorry, I was still muted. So um, yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about war and music. And I want to talk to I want to talk to Warren Music on a couple of levels. And number one, I want to talk about war and music technologically first. Um, and that is because war war changes technology. And one of the things that war changed when it comes to music is war um, created a need for a lot of tubes. Yeah. And so a lot of the tubes that you see. That were that were then used. Um, I think it was in the '40s that really. I mean, I know that music got tubes before that, but musical instruments and musical musical amplifiers got their tubes <clears throat> in the '40s. Yeah, they As were radio. Result, tu- they were radio tubes, right? Of radios. That's like, exactly what I was like, say. Cl- like close, you know, circuit radios and things like that. Anything right. that they could, the military could use to communicate. And if you think about it, Leo Fender. <clears throat> um, whom we've spoken to about a couple of times, and some of you may or may not have heard of, um, had a little thing called Fender Music, right? Anyway, Leo Fender, what did he do before he was in that? He was a radio repairman. Engineer. Yeah, he was a radio, radio repairman, right? Right. I mean, that's what engineers did back then. I mean, well, they didn't just in his case, he just built shit right out of the uh, right out of the uh, RCA two book. So exactly, <laughs> exactly. And um, those of you who are a little bit older, um, uh, older, like uh, in your uh, 40s or 50s, you've probably seen these things. I mean, when I was when I was in school in the Navy, we had to build a super heterodyne receiver. So, yeah, that was. Yeah, it's like something. Here's here's the Phillips manual. (laughs) Go do it. You know, go do it. And you troubleshoot it right out of this manual that you could the same thing you could buy it as uh, a civilian. Right. Yeah. At the time, you can, um, you can still get them today. I mean, you yeah, can go in the store, and, there's, and some of them are new production. So it's not like this stuff 
doesn't exist in the same form. Right. I think it's just a little bit more. Uh, it's right. It's a little it's bit lost more niche. knowledge that it even exists. I mean, right. But there are still people out there using it. I mean, I I still see people um, who use uh, you know a large uh, shortwave radio and stuff like that that aren't on um, just transistors and stuff. I had explained to my daughter that she builds a semiconductor device. So anyway, <laughs> she builds capacitors for a living. And she goes, I can't build semiconductors. And I went, oh, Amber. No, that's what you do. Amber, that's what you do all day long. <laughs> Eight hours a day, you're building semiconductors. But anyway, so it, it is a lost art in that it's a lost, it's a lost language. Um, but anyway, so... Um, there were other things that came along with that. And what's funny is that some of them purposefully and some of them not. If you think about it, guitar speakers and guitar amplifiers, the ones that we got to know and love weren't the ones that people loved because they weren't full range PA stuff. Right. When you think about the the tubes that we love, they were the ones that weren't that great Uh for the other applications. Right. Ew, these are terrible. Give them to musicians. Yeah, give them to the guitar players. They won't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas we like covet them. You know, we have like, exactly. these books about like the price guide of what, you know, a Mullard is versus, you know, it's. It's, it's, uh, it's just funny <clears throat> to see that. Um, that's speakers. That's that's all kinds of technology that came from. Believe it or not, the reason that we're doing this, folks, is because we're recording this and it'll come out on uh, Veterans Day. So I want to give a shout out to some of my fellow veterans. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I wanted to mention some of the veterans that we know and love in the rock music today, such as Jimi Hendrix. Yep, Jimi Hendrix. We just, well, yeah. Yeah, he was a vet. He was dishonorably discharged, though. So, he was a vet. Did, does anybody want to want to say why he was discharged? Yeah, why did he get discharged? Because he was jerking off in the bathroom. See? <laughs> now you got to remember. <laughs> I wish I was joking. Now, here's... Here's what's funny about that. I just want to say this. I, I think he was looking for. I think he off in the bathroom. I think he was looking for a way out. To be honest with yeah. you, but there were a lot of Section Eights going around. Right? Yeah, and you got to remember that was a war that there. You know, politics oh, aside, he was, no, he was dumped. He was dumped before Vietnam. The Vietnam War started. Oh, even before it started, yes, like 1961 or something. Was it really that yeah, early? It was. And he got dumped. Yeah, because he was out of the, he was out of the military for a while before, and then he did the Chitlin circuit for a couple of years, and then he ended up in uh, uh, the village. And well, I know that he was sleeping with a guitar. I'm not as big a Hendrix fan. I really should uh, grab myself a Hendrix bio and yeah, his his life is actually really interesting because it's not what everybody thinks it is. Like, oh, he just came from nowhere and yeah, like, suddenly, know. oh, look at this! It's no, there was a lot of people involved oh. in his process oh, that like God. got him to where he was. Um, but his whole thing, yeah, he was a veteran. He's a paratrooper. Yep. Um, he he was. I think he was in for like a year and a half, and then he was dishonorably discharged because he'd had like a couple of infractions. Basically, he couldn't accept authority, and then right. And then he got caught doing that, and his CEO was like, "We're fucking tired of this. Just get him out of here. Just get him out." Yeah, so, and that and that happened a lot. And he probably didn't even bother to go back and get it because back then he would have gotten it changed to an other than honorable, and then to an honorable. Yeah, he probably could have so, gotten it gotten it moved yeah, around. They would have they would have upgraded that. I bet you. Much. I bet you in. I bet you in uh, uh, in memoriam he, they have. I'm willing now, to bet your money. Here's the cool thing, right? 
a lot of people because so he's identified with the hippie movement, right? Like by a lot, right. a lot of hippie, yeah. hippies loved him. Um, you can see him on like Dick Cavett show, for example, where they talk about him being former military. Yeah, and he toes the line between his fan base and being like anti-military when at a time where that was not cool. So like when these guys are getting off the planes and getting spit on by uh, civilians here in the States, um, I don't think Jimmy would have been the guy spitting on them. I think he was kind of no, like, I don't think so. this isn't, this isn't your war. Like, I'm not going to blame you for this. I, I understand like, well, yeah. And so I want to get to that. So those of you, you know, politics, again, politics aside, let's not put politics in here. The people that are in the service, um, for the most part, I'm not going to say there's they never uphold been the constitution, anybody. right? And they're they're doing most of them are just doing a job, yep. trying to get an education, just like you or me. And so when you when you go in the service, you know, I have I have two bachelor's degrees and I have no college debt. I never had college debt. So, <clears throat> um, I just want to say that. When it came to um, one of those decisions I had to make, you know, there were a lot of things I could have done, and I made a decision to go in the military. Um, and that that allowed me to get through life and have no college debt, like I said, and and be able to uh, to succeed, to get experience. They don't ask you if you got experience. You got any experience doing this? No. We'll do it anyway. That's really what the military is like. So it, it's just like. You ever play guitar before? No. We'll get on stage and we'll put yeah, this shit in front of you. Know, we're, oh, you're going to do it. Well, I think there's also been this like Mark shift in the attitude to of people towards veterans in our country specifically. Yeah, it's gotten better. In the 60s, obviously, we, we came from this era of people spitting on veterans. Um, That's right. And I think there's been a Mark shift in people understanding that, you know, veterans don't necessarily get to pick the war they go fight. No, and and especially in that era, they're spinning on people who were drafted. Like right. what the fuck? Right, that's oh, it's just mind boggling to me. Your yeah, your little college ass didn't go to jail um, to get out of out of uh, the war. You well, went to college. Not, not only that, or you didn't go to you, can, you didn't go to Canada, right. or you went to can, right. Like uh, let's um, Bill Clinton. Anyway, um, that's the end of my uh, my politics. Yeah. Um. So. Um. So as much political just, as you know, veteran. <laughs> it's just it's just fact. But um, you know, there there are people. Um, uh, Paul Stanley was talking about that in his book because he went and he did register, and guess what? He didn't have to go because I didn't even know this. Uh, he didn't have an ear on one side. Uh, his ear was completely um, not developed on one side, so he was deaf on one side. Well, which is why one of my twins can't go in, into the service that wants to go. Well, you know the the fucked up part is like. Uh, the one that the one that comes to mind because I've I've done some research on him, Ted Nugent. He went yeah. to the, he went to register for the draft and then did whatever he had to do to get out of it. Like who yeah. would have thought Uncle Ted, gun toting yeah. Republican Uncle Ted, yeah, dodged, dodged the draft. The draft. Yep, that's pretty fucked up. <clears throat> yeah, when you it think is. about it, there's um, no there's no excuse for that. Well, shit. Th- and now he's lied about it, like. 20 years on now he's lied about it and said, no, I didn't dodge the draft. Like I got out of it fair and square. Like, no, you didn't. There's no fucking way. Um, you know, when they were going to draft people like Muhammad Ali, you know, yep. <laughs> they, 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 believe me, they would have drafted your ass too. Uh, yep. I don't know. It's, well, there were some weird things. 
Yeah, the, I mean, I, I got out. I well, I mean, I got. An, I have an uncle who who just kept signing up for training shit to get counted out. I mean, that was that's basically how he got out of it. Yeah, uh, other people who went to college a lot longer than they anticipated. <laughs> um, yep. Oh yeah, you'd have eight eight year college people. I think, believe it or not, I think that believe that the war, um, that war in particular, allowed for a lot of the expectation that we have now of college to be increased because it was so many more people who went to college, but they didn't go there because they wanted to. No, they, they went, went there, there to avoid the They war. avoided the draft, right. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, so, if we fast forward for, for Vietnam, right? Yeah. The, the um, you know, then we had the Cold War. I think the Cold yep. War is the, the one that has the biggest lasting impact on music. But the funny part about it is the people that were, like, involved in the whole Vietnam, like, protest, like, anti-war movement, like yep. John Lennon, for example – um, there's almost this counterculture in yeah. rock music that's actually counter to them, which which yeah. happens around that time. And 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 Ted Nugent's one of the people that kind of like starts to champion those kind of movements. And there's other people involved in it too. But yeah. um, I can I can see a marked shift where like people who once looked at John Lennon and said, you know, he's he was godlike, and that we're now kind of looking at him and going, dude, what a fucking hippie, you know. <laughs> with that kind of disdain, you know? Um, yeah. And I think it's really interesting that we have that, that we actually have like two schools of thought of that going on in rock music at that time. Um, but ultimately, you know, I can't think of like a bunch of famous veterans who were in bands. I still think that's so, I mean, maybe, you know, some Jim, cause that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like who, who are well, some actual veterans who, are, are people that went and fought. Yeah, that's where <clears throat> music, it's it's hard because when you take stuff like... I mean, um, we know Elvis, obviously, right. went and fought during the but Korean Elvis War. But Elvis got it right. Well, he, he was assigned to the motor pool. Yeah. But you know what? You know as well as I do, Jim, lots of people go over and get desk jobs. Not everybody that's ends right. up fighting. So, that's right. And some of them want to do it. When I was um, When I was in Desert Shield, Desert Storm... Um, the first time, um, when I went over, they, uh, I had a friend who wanted so, so badly to go. Yeah. And there were people that were like, uh, let's trade spots. Yeah. All it would have been is orders swapping him from shore duty to the ship. Yeah. And they they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. You know, actually I've heard that when you want to do that, they want to exclude you. It's almost like. Nobody should really want to go and kill people. You know, that's kind of like the way they look at it. Um, I can kind of understand that logic a little bit. I know it's not like I, 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 I say that and I'm being silly, but I know that's not really what, what that is. Like nobody gets up in the morning and says, oh, I'm sure people, there are people who do, but I mean like nobody, uh, the, mo- the majority of your veterans are not thinking about killing people when they go to war. Like that's no. not, that's not what it is at all. No, I know I mean, that. I mean, no. For the most part, people over there. There's a lot of. You're thinking so about the mission, remember, which is to protect people or do you know whatever. I can remember people crying, um, scared. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, wanting it's a terrifying to go home, thing. wanting to go see their mom. I mean, um, I'm kind of welling up remembering some of the stuff because it's you know it's kind of things that. It, it's kind of things that you kind of 
block out to make it through every day afterwards. But and, and I've been retired twenty years now. But um, anyway, um, it's it's one of those things where you you the the sense of um, uh, what is going on around you uh, when when we were on the ship. You know, everybody was going through their day, da, 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 and then all of a sudden, um, the the general quarters goes off. I remember this in 1986, 85. We were off the coast of um, uh, Be- Beirut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. And um, we were going to go in uh, to um, do some extraction um, stuff and. I hear a guy um, in in my group. Um, I was a second class, and uh, one of the guys that worked for me was over sobbing next to me on the on the console, and he was and he was scared, and he looked at me. He looked at me. I was twenty one or twenty two years old. He's eighteen, nineteen, and he turns to me and he goes, he "Goes, we're gonna make it home." So, yeah, and it makes, yeah, it's, it's a sorry. I, I just need a sec. It's it's just kind of hard to um, for people if you haven't lived it, if you haven't done it, if you haven't been there, if you haven't been in a hot spot, um, you know, you haven't had a big fly over your head, you haven't um, uh, seen um, people you know uh, killed. It, it's it's kind of a different um it's kind of a different thing and, and we all have it now don't get me wrong i don't i don't look at people who haven't had that happen and go, you don't know what you're talking about no I'm in there I'm no no, no. right 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 that's that's not me that's not my personality you don't wish that on anyone either and nobody right. like, that's what no, i'm saying no sane person would i mean no i don't wish that on anyone i don't want someone to have to do that to get some kind of perspective or some bullshit like that my my whole every male in my family before me was in the service. Yeah. Every one of them has seen people killed. Every one of them served. Every one of them, um, we've we've all seen life taken and taken life, and it's and it's a horrible, horrible thing. It's a it's a terrible thing to do. It's a terrible thing to go through. I don't wish it on any single individual anywhere. All that said, it gives you a different perspective on, you know, when we came back. Um, when I was in the, in the eighties, there were still, uh, by the way, these signs that you hear about where it says, uh, sailors and dogs, um, uh, not welcome. They did exist. Yeah. They weren't on like, but there were places I'm going to tell you right now, you're in the Navy. Yeah. You can't come in here. You just, you just couldn't go in. Oh, you're, you know, and you go overseas. And you know how you're supposed to be proud of your uniform. They would tell us, you can't wear your, do not wear anything that would indicate you're in the Navy. You couldn't wear anything that indicated that you were from some places. They they wanted you to hide the fact that you were from the United States. Yeah, I believe it. So so, uh, if people, I'm going to leave my my politics here. If people think that, that there's supposed to be some, like, Huge giant melting pot, and America's behind the time. You've really got to do some real traveling and see some of these places. 
that still hate our guts. And they would and or, they hate, and, they, and or hate each other <laughs> or, or hate. Yeah. And they hate each other. They hate everything. There's more so much hate in this world. I just wish that there wasn't what there is. But anyway, um, the other thing that, that music and that's what I'm going to get to is that music changed when it comes to war, every war in history. Music changed because music became a way to express our political feelings of the times. And these days, I'm going to say it now, and maybe some people can find some music and, and prove me wrong, but these days, right up into the 70s, there was music about the fighting and the killing. Even, even though it's, a, it's an anti-American um, fighting song, born, um, uh, born in the USA and all that, even right up into the 80s, we had this. <clears throat> you had, uh, um, who was it, Three Doors Down wrote Citizen Soldier. Um, now, we have nothing. We have, we have party on songs. We have music that just is separated. It's almost like people are afraid to take a side. They're afraid to say, I am for or against whatever it is that they're for or against. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we, the social media has made it so everybody can be ostracized today. That's what this yeah. has to do with. Um, at, when we were talking, I looked up a list of uh, musician celebrities. and. Yeah. I think I, I want to go through some of these names as part of our Veterans Day tribute episode. I yeah. want people to stop and think about some of these names. Now, not all of these people actually like went and served in a combat zone or, or even were, you know, in there long enough to amount to anything. A couple of them were dishonorably discharged. Again, similar things to Jimi Hendrix. I'm sure you can probably pick out those people. Um, but someone started off, of course, Elvis was the first one on the list. Jason Everman, who, if you don't know who that is, he was, uh, he played with Soundgarden and he was actually played with Nirvana at one point as well. Um, MC Hammer. Oh yeah, that's right. Tony Bennett. Yep. Maynard James Keenan of Tool. Yep. Johnny Cash. Oh yeah. Of course, Jimi Hendrix. Shaggy, Mystical, James Blunt, Gene Autry. Yep. John Coltrane, Chris Christopherson. Billy yeah. Cox. Yep, yep. BB King. Billy Cox was in the same uh, platoon or whatever with uh, with uh, Jimi Hendrix. Yes, I believe that's how, he, they, that's how, they, how they met. BB yep. um, King. Uh, yep. John Fogarty. Yep. That was a surprise to me because because he's kind of like one of those guys that ends up doing a lot of the protest rock. Um, well, his protest rock, if you listen to it, it's not. I don't think it's. Yeah, it, it's, he was protesting the government. Yes, it was very clear. When you hear, have you have you seen the rain and stuff yeah. like that? It's more about the government, not the people. Right, right. Howlin' Wolf, uh, yep. Ice T, Jerry Garcia. I, I, you know, Ice T is an interesting one. Yeah, Gary, Jerry Garcia. The folks that are that are the jam band folks hardly ever believe that, but Ice T is an interesting one. He got he got arrested when he was in the service. He went AWOL, and then they they. He didn't really hide. He yeah. just kind of went home. But he was like, you guys figure it out. He, he got arrested yeah. for um, stealing some stuff. But anyway, he's a really cool cat, by the way. Ray, Ray Manzrek? The Doors? Oh, yeah. Ray Manzrek. Car, um, uh, the, the Doors. He, ser- yeah. he served uh, six months in Thailand. 
Uh, and yep. then this is the one that got me, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Apparently, Siri is listening to my conversation right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fred Durst. Yeah, Fred Durst. Yep, I forgot about that. He, one. he spent. He spent. He was in the Navy. He spent a couple of years in service, and then yep. went home to Jacksonville. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because if you go through this list, like many of these people were, were like dishonorably discharged. Yeah, and you know as well as I do. Um, specifically to the time period, you know, if you're not cut out for military life, they don't want you there. You know, if you, if you can't function as a team and, and like help people and go through it from that perspective, they, that you will probably get discharged. Um, yeah. Notably, uh, I don't think Billy Cox was actually discharged. I think he actually went on to have a distinguished military career and then was, and then got out right before Vietnam. Which is interesting because a lot of those guys ended up going right back in the service right after they got out because of the draft. But I don't think the draft was on until, what, mid-70s? So, like, 71, 72? 70, uh, I think the draft went on until 74. Oh, I thought they started it in, like, 70, 71 or 72, though. I don't think that was... Oh, was, oh. Yeah, I don't know when it started. I don't remember I'd have to it look started. it up. No, I'd have it to look started it. before that. Is it, was it really that early? It, it had to have been started before that because my father was drafted. Oh. Uh. Um, and that was in the sixties. I think the Vietnam draft was, uh, probably 67. So uh, thank you. 69. 69. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause my father was drafted when I was old enough to remember, but not quite like, yeah, yeah they started the draft lottery in 1969. So that would have been 69. Um, which, which kind of makes sense. Like, because somebody like Billy Cox kind of floated through. He may have actually been too old to be drafted at that point. Um, yeah. And cause like I said, you know, Hendricks was draft or Hendricks went through the military, I think pre 1965. So, yeah. um, yeah, my father and my uncle were, were both drafted, but they were going to go anyway. And my other uncle, their brother was already over there. So matter of fact, all four boys, my grandmother had nine kids, four boys and five girls. All four boys were over there at the same time. Well, which is how one of them got home. My father got sent home because all the boys couldn't be over there at the same time. Right, right, right. Some I, weird thing about all male children couldn't be. They cannot serve in a, in a combat theater. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, then my other uncle pretended to be insane, and he got. Out. My, my takeaway from this conversation, though, <laughs> is that the attitudes about war have changed significantly in this oh, yeah. country. Um, even when I was in high school and we had the the protests, um, and you know the the anti the anti Iraq War protests, um, I stayed out of that stuff. Number one, uh, number two, I think there was a marked shift. I don't think anybody was blaming the military for that. And yeah. even when you went to concerts and they would talk about you know our boys in the service like you know fighting right now, everybody kind of like. Even those that were not in support of killing other people for, you know, whatever war, right? They don't turn a blind eye to our soldiers anymore, which is important. I think everybody may have learned something from what they did with Vietnam, um, and I think even the music reflects that too. I don't really feel like even a song like "Rooster" from from um, uh, Alice in Chains. I don't really feel like a song like that is positive about war 
I don't think anybody's singing gleefully about, you know, hey, it's really fun to shoot people. And I think those songs tend to be, especially the popular ones anyway, tend to be, you know, this is an awful thing and nobody should have to go through this. Yeah, when when um, Three Doors Down did the video for Love Me When I'm Gone, because the song doesn't explicitly say anything, but the, the um, video showed this guy that was going off to fight, you know, and um, they were they were talking about how they got hell, you know, for for um, doing the video, and uh, how people were like, oh, well, you're you're supporting the stuff," and he, he said, "No." And he came right out and and uh, says in a in a live version of the song, he chose the song, and he says, uh, "We're supporting the men and women who are over there um, fighting for what they believe is right and doing what they believe what they believe is right and coming home to us." We shouldn't reject them um, for that. They're doing what what um, you know they're paid to do. You know they're doing a job, and it's unfortunate it, that the government may say, "Hey, we want you to go over here and fight this," and it's not what those people want. I maybe I didn't understand this, but there was a record that came out several years ago from Green Day called American Idiot. Oh, yeah. Um, is that supposed to be a reference to someone who went and fought in the Iraq War? Like, is that... Because I know it's a concept so. record, and I know the video featured scenes that looked like they were the Iraq War. I don't think some of anything the about American Idiot was about Well, I wouldn't somebody... put it past, I wouldn't put it past those idiots. To make well, something that would basically like, oh, I'm going to insult somebody for, you know, believing a certain thing or whatever. Well, I know that that. Uh, so it says that the. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not seeing that. Maybe it's just the music video. Yeah, I'm thinking of. I think there's a music video in there that shows a person, but I think the idea was that there are people who do what they're. Um, I think it's more about the the world as it is now where people um, just follow celebrities because they're told to follow celebrities. Yeah, no, it certainly is a, is a major issue. I mean, I, I, so you think about that, like people, people who today, we don't see many celebrities get off their ass and go defend something that they believe in. No, no. Um, What they, what they do is threaten to move to, to Canada. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I mean, like Canada wants them. Fine, I, fine. Go, it's like, fucking go. <laughs> like to be I, honest with you, if but, anybody thinks that if anybody who's listening to this show thinks that we don't have threats to freedom that are both foreign and domestic right now, we have problems. Yeah, and I don't care I which don't, side of the aisle you hail from. There are enemies to freedom and democracy out there. You know that's what we have a military for. So when I hear things like a celebrity saying, I don't care who it is, and I guarantee you there are music celebrities that have said shit like this, I'm going to Canada. Yo, fuck yeah, well, you. Go. The, the thing that, that, that kills me about anybody that says, I'm gonna, if this happens, I'm going to go there, just means that I'm going to run away from the problem. Yeah, I mean. That's what it tells me. Well, it, it the, tells me they're not dried in the wool. Like, they don't really right. love their country the way that they pr- portray to. Right. If you want to do things, do things. Do things and change. Don't bitch about them. Don't cry about them. Vote. Change them. If your if your guitar playing sucks, do you do you go golf? No, you sit down <laughs> and you practice guitar, right? Yeah. I mean, 
that's what that's what you're doing. Or you stare at your guitar and will it. <laughs> yeah. You will play well. You focus on um, the problem. You don't you don't run away from right. the problem. And you don't right. and you don't make out like everybody else is an idiot but you. And that's what makes me mad. Is like I, I, I was having a discussion with somebody on Facebook the other day. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I said this. And I said that, you know, like all things, we need solutions to problems. We don't right. need to talk about the problems. We, we don't, need solutions. Right. Right. And that I think that that's, that's one of the things. Okay. So the one thing that I took away, if I could take anything away from my military career, it, it, it is this, you don't solve problems by bitching. Nope. When, when I would go in, okay, folks, we're in the bonus stuff. So you, yeah, you won't hear the- anymore. One of the things that, um, I, I, I learned really early on, I was sitting in the, in the workspace and, and there was something I had to do. I can't remember. Well, if this was over here, it would be better. And if this was over there, it would do this. And if this was like this, and, it, and my leading petty officer just sat at me, and he was just staring at me like, you know, had his hand on his cheek like I'm doing right now, you know, resting his head in his hand. He goes, then why don't you do something about it? He goes, why yeah, like that? Why don't you do something about, about it? it? Instead of bitching, he goes, he goes, you know what? I've always heard a bitch and sailor's a happy sailor. You must be the happiest motherfucker I've ever met. And that that little statement, that one thing taught me that, wow, I could sit there and bitch, or I could do something. So I made changes and I did things. And sometimes what I'd say to him, I'd say, oh man, I, I was so blessed to have such a great guy, Jim Wilkerson, as my first leading petty officer, because he said to me, he goes, I was talking about um, trying to make some changes and, you know, nobody listening to me up above. He goes, he goes, you know what? The people up above you, they're not interested in what's better for you. They don't care about what's better for you or anybody below them. Yeah. They just don't care. The only way to convince them that that they should make a change is is to make it to them seem like it's in their best interest. That's what I said. Yeah. Like right. just do it, can, implement it and then show them how great it is for them. If, right. If you can invent and if you, if you can get them invested in this being good for them, then they will make that change and they will do that for you. I mean, if you think about this, we, we do try to do this with protests, right? When you protest, when a, when a person protests, what is the objective of the protest? Hey, I will leave you alone and I will quit complaining if you do something about this. Well, that's not really an effective protest, is it? I mean, if I stand outside with some signs, not really very effective. So then let let me, let me, get get, get through this. And then I got, I got to protest, right? Right. But if, if I stop buying your product and I convince other people to stop buying your product, now I've got a convincing way of, of protesting you. So if I can hit you in the, in the, um, either in, in the, uh, wallet, if I can get your attention, right. Rather than just to wave something in front of your face, you know, right, cause who cares? Right. Okay. So here's my, here's my take. Talk about protests. And in, and in music, we have protest music, right? Right. Which and we don't have it. Count, count. Well, they're out there. Um, I just don't think they're protesting the same things they used to. Um, and maybe their protests are more noble. Maybe now? they're protesting bunnies. I don't know. But here's the funny thing. Like I listen to these bands doing their protest music back in the sixties 
in yeah. the 70s. And I laugh because I'm like, how stupid was everybody? These guys are protesting. So they're trying to get this political message across. And they're just cashing in. And, it, and that, in many cases, they weren't even using that money to benefit the political groups that they were in support of. Yeah. What a joke. If you think about it, if you think about it, uh, it, it that has been – again, I don't want to take this, so I won't go any further down a political, a political hole. If anybody ever wants to get talk to me on a political thing, you can get a hold of me on the side. Do it offline. But, but I will say that – I will say this. That um, there is absolutely zero point zero percent of politicians are telling you the truth about <laughs> anything. They're it's telling you nothing truth. truthful about anything. Yeah. I don't care which side you're on: Republican, Democrat, Green, Orange, Purple, Blue, Pink, Polka Dot, or Yellow. None of them, and I do mean none of them, are telling you the truth one hundred percent. They have no, there's no agenda in telling you the truth. Well, I'm just so, saying. I'm not saying I'm not saying become some weird ass um, uh, conspiracy theorist. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying think about what they have in, for an agenda and think maybe just maybe they're not giving me 100 percent of the truth. And I should probably think for myself. But you what? know who you shouldn't listen to? George Clooney, Kim Kardashian, <laughs> any, of these, any West, of them, any of them, any of them, because anybody who's sitting out there. Do they have a political science degree? They're paid to lie to you, and they they do a good job of it. George Clooney lied. He's an actor. You, he, he was never a doctor, but people were convinced he was one hell of a doctor on ER. Okay? I mean, come on. No, none of these the, people the, the light, do what they do for truth, justice, the, and the American way. The light bulb went off in my head, though, when I started this argument. I was like, well, if you want to have a career in music now, why don't – I, I know somebody out there will probably do this at some point, and I'm not saying that they're going to come from this show or anything, but just write protest songs for other people. Yeah. You don't even have to believe in what you're saying. No, no. It's just like uh, it, now those of you who are, um, uh, you know, super hardcore Christian probably shouldn't watch this. But if you get a chance to watch South Park's um, uh, episode, uh, Christian Hard Rock, and watch um, uh, Cartman write and make millions on uh, Christian music, you'll understand why it is that there are people out there who are writing. Uh, there are artists. atheists writing Christian music. Exactly. There are. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> somewhere right. out there. The point is, I'm not saying that that you should never believe anybody. I'm just saying that you should always take everything that's said with a grain of salt. And and just, you know, take what you take, what you believe. I mean, I'm not going to let Miley Cyrus tell me how to vote. And those who do are morons. <laughs> I'll just tell you right out. If that's who you thought was telling you the right way to vote, you're a moron. I don't want anything to do with you anyway. Stop listening to my fucking channel. <laughs> I mean, but if you're if you're um, uh, thinking for yourself and Miley Cyrus said, hey, you should vote for this person. And you thought maybe I should take a look at it. And you took a look at it and you decided it was yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's okay That's to get clued into something from a celebrity, but it's not okay to let the celebrity make the decision for you. Exactly. My wife got into trouble this week. There was a celebrity on Facebook that told one of their followers, you should just vote Democrat because it's great. And the follower was like, thanks for telling me who I should vote for in the election. Now I can, now I know how to cast my ballot. 
Yeah. And my wife yeah. was like, wait a minute. You let that person tell you who to vote for? Like, you're out of your I, mind. I had a um, a person on Facebook who said, I'm voting. It doesn't matter what party. Yeah. Because we I, all hear it. I'm voting Republican Party down the line. I'm, revo- I'm voting Democratic Party. I said, they love you. You're a sheep. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah. And I wrote on, I wrote this big, long thing. They love to hear you say that. Yeah. Hey, listen, sheep. Can you say it for me? Bah, bah, bah. And I just kept writing it. Can you say it for me? Bah, bah, bah. Can you say yeah. it for me? Bah, bah, bah. Because you're just a sheep. Turn around, sheep. Go get your hair cut, sheep. Go eat this, sheep. Oh, Go do God. that, sheep. Because that's what you're doing. You want me to get my dog to chase you into the barn, sheep? I just kept writing it like well, that. Well, I see that as a they dis- must have posted like four because you know me. Yeah. I won't re- I won't respond. They must have Jim- posted four hundred things responses to yell at me, but about the fact that they weren't a sheep for re- voting one party all the way down. Well, Joe, uh, yeah, I- yeah, you are because you didn't think for yourself. It it's one thing to say, you know what? Those were all the candidates this time that I enjoy, but it is quite another thing to say. I'm gonna. I'm going to vote um, straight down because that's my party. That's like saying I'm going to pick, I'm going to bet $200 on the Bills to win the Super Bowl because they're my team. I guarantee you, I don't care what party you're in. I guarantee you there's somebody in that party you don't agree with. Exactly. And there's somebody in that party that's a racist. There's somebody in that party that is sexist. Sexist. There's somebody in that party that's, it, believe me, I don't care which party you're in. There's somebody in there that's a scumbag. Yep, that yep. shouldn't be following. Which is why, which is why we're having this conversation. But I also see that, and and to connect us back to Veterans Day in the in the episode, I see this as an insult to the people that have defended our ability to vote and to yep. have a democracy in this country. Yep, Jim, you've been in other countries. You have seen other governments. Oh, I have. I have. And, now, and I've been to I've been to Russia. I've been to um, uh, well, I I could spend a long time listing, but let's just say I've been to several continents and I've been to several countries. I've been into the nice parts of it and I've been to the guts where the people. I I went to Egypt, and I saw people living twelve, fifteen stories above the ground with no walls. Yeah, just no windows. No walls. Yeah. Think about it for a minute. These people are in dire straits. They might be I lucky if they the, have a curtain. Yeah, I went to I went to places in Africa where and, and no, I wasn't there to solve their problems. And I didn't think I love there's there's one South Park where Bono they, they find the cure to AIDS, by the way. And the cure to AIDS is just infuse yourself with lots of money. So Bono goes to Africa because he's Mr. Frick and I'm going to solve the world's problems. This is so awful. Yeah, that was an old one. And he goes, he goes, we have, we have a way to solve, solve your problems. Just fill your bloodstream with money. And then he walks away. And, and, and of course we all know that's not, that's not a solution to problems. No, no. Not everybody has a bunch of money, Bono, but thanks a lot for telling us. It, It may as well be. Five, that's why he's five the world's biggest five, pile of shit, that, too. Yeah, that's they had another one where he was the biggest turd. But the point is um, that that there's um, this lack of this this total disconnect. There's these people who live in America. They they live in a we live in North America. Even Mexico is not that bad off. Most is 
most areas. Oh, I've been to Mexico in some places. I've seen yeah, some I've shit. Yeah, I've been to. I've seen some shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I went down there. Let's just say that I, I did some time in Tijuana. And those oh, who God. Hear about my time in Tijuana, oh. you still have to pay for that. Oh, Dan shit. Kish is the only person I think that's at. Dan Kish, maybe John Bott. Yeah, you feel that they are at the, the level. Yeah, they're of the level acceptance. where they can hear the story. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> yeah, I've seen some shit. Um, uh, yeah, you have. And uh, the thing is that that uh, when you go into these countries, here's here's what you don't appreciate. You're thinking, oh, they could just, you know, there's uh, there's plenty of people go just go get a job. Uh, yeah, no, that's not what, the answer. What job? Right, what job? Just mo- go make money. What money? I, I'll, I'll give you my and I'll it, give you my example, and we need to start wrapping the episode up after this. Yep. You, you tell somebody to go get a job in a foreign country oh. in India. They literally give people scissors to cut grass just so they can give them money yep. and make them yep. feel feel like they're getting something. That's right. There are some some societies, folks. I know this is hard for some folks to believe. They don't want handouts. So when you give a did you know, by the way, if you look up the history of tips, you know, when you tip. Your waiter and waitress, used the barista at the bar, that was an insult. Yeah, because you, you, don't, have, you meant, don't make enough money. You're going to need this money because yep. you won't have work soon. You suck. Yep. So, so somebody convinced somebody that it was no longer an insult. So in other words. So now it's gratuity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now it's a gratuity. We don't want to call it what it, you know, ah, blow it out your ass. It's still a tip. And and uh, it called a you know called a spade a spade or whatever you want to, whatever wording you want to use. But the point is, you've got to you've got to realize we are not we are not the all be all end all. I always to love or hate I should say watch Star Star Trek and they would go out and they would say and and we're going to you know get this this place to you know change its ways and understand that humans are you know great and everything else. I'm like, what if they didn't want us to do that? What if they hated what we stood for? Yeah. So, so the, my, my, this is David's final thought. Um, Your philosophy. Yeah. My, my philosophical there's my, moment. There's my political song, guys. My philosophical like moment for the song. show. And that is that um, for Jim and I, and I think I'm speaking for Jim, and Jim can say if he agrees or not. But I think what we're trying to say with this whole episode is that if you, if you, on Veterans Day, take a moment to think about how connected conflict has been with music yep. in this country. And then take another moment to reflect on the fact that protest music is as popular as it is. Yep. And and make sure you are not being sycophantic about it and that you actually believe the protest you're you're listening to and that and that it, you know you believe in its principles. Because I think a lot of times we can listen to a song and we can say it's a, a great song and idealize it, but we miss the message. Yeah. Take Think for yourself. Yes. Regardless that's of what I what think. think what, think for yeah. yourself. Think for yourself because it's, that's the, that's the best gift you can give yourself. So think for yourself, be, be what you want to be, do what you want to do, believe what you want to believe. As long as you realize that the things that that um, come into uh, play, 
You, you start listening to facts and figures. Get more than one. Don't just watch CNN. Don't watch, just watch Fox News. No, hell no. You know, hell no. <laughs> uh, I don't, don't just watch of, United States News Networks. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, get get your news from various go watch, sources. Go watch some Al Jazeera. Go watch some BBC. You know? Yep. Take a look and, at the rest and, of the world. And start thinking about it. Start thinking about it. Even if you, not everybody has the op- opportunity or the option to travel um, the way I did and to see some of these things. You know, um, the internet's a wonderful tool. You can learn a lot about people by connecting with people in other places and talking to them. Exactly. And, and finding out, you know, and, and don't, I, I love the people that are, that are in, uh, um, we have a, we have an international audience here. I mean, yeah, I, we do. And, and so I, I think it's, I think it's important to point out at this point that like, um, neither Jim nor I are the kind of people that are like, Oh, well, but you know, America over everybody else. Like we understand oh. that the rest of the world Help. needs help too sometimes. And we're willing right. to do that if you want us. Um, obviously is, that's a political the, stance that's, yeah. that's in question there. And uh, sometimes politicians make decisions about things that they know nothing about. So um, this yeah. is the thing I do. Home is home. Home is where, what you, what you love about where you are. That's where home is. It's not, it doesn't have to be America. It's what it's about you. And and I like uh, David is saying, we have a lot of international listeners, and those international listeners, they're probably over there going, "He's right. America isn't always the greatest thing as how he's cracked up to be." No, hell no, it of, isn't. We know that. <laughs> and and we've got a bunch of infighting, and we've got a bunch of um, uh, things going on, and people thinking that they can sit on their sit on their cell phones and protest. Is that your is that your idea of protesting? It's Facebook posts, ten thousand likes. Yeah. You're a joke. You know that, right? You're a joke. If that's what you think, I laugh in your face. Yeah, awareness is only half the battle, folks. Uh, doing something about it is the other half. Exactly. So, on behalf of our listenership and uh, myself, I'd like to thank you for our serv- for your service to our country, Jim. Um, and I and I appreciate that, and I'd like to thank all those um, out there who are. Uh, who are doing it now and who have done it in the past. Yeah. So um, take a moment when you listen to this episode, when the episode's over, take a few moments to just stop and reflect on the people that are serving for us now and the people who have served for us and are now veterans. So uh, I guess uh, with that all uh, having transpired this episode, uh, I have been David. I have been Jim. And we are the Practical American Guitarists. (laughs) 